0: Welcome back, everybody, to KFR News Radio. Here it is. It's Mike and Glenn back at you again with another episode. And here we go. Episode two. Hey, here Mike, we how go. How you doing, buddy?
1: I'm good. How are you? Not bad. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to talk about the movies we're going to talk about. We're talking about, uh, I think, yeah, last week you picked uh, They'll Love Me When I'm Dead and Outlaw King. Mm-hmm. But first, before we get into that, is there any movie you watched last week that you feel is noteworthy?
0: <laughs> this is like is now sounding way too newscasty, and I love it. <laughs> I saw... You got me
1: into it. I decided to just go with it. <laughs> <I> saw... <laughs> it's perfect.
0: I saw two movies last week. I saw them both on Saturday morning i saw overlord
1: mm-hmm. as did i
0: i saw, I saw a uh, a girl in a
1: spider's web oh i did not see that yet uh what do you think of overlord i i actually uh really enjoyed it really yeah
0: it's actually one that i didn't enjoy that much really see yeah. i thought it was
1: just a ridiculous movie which is why no, is why was, i liked it
0: it was an absolutely ridiculous movie yeah and, uh I think I had too much hype in the fact that J.J. Abrams was doing a World War Two movie, yeah. And then of course, there had to be like a twist. See, I don't, put, a twist.
1: I don't put I don't put J. Abrams on much of a pedestal as most people do.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't um, either. I was just like, okay, his style plus World War Two, okay.
1: Yeah, That'd I mean, nice. it's and he, he didn't direct it; he just produced it. it oh, was really? Actually, it was actually directed. I hate, I hate
0: the marketing where it's like <laughs> J. J. Abrams.
1: Yeah, it was directed by Julius Avery, who uh, okay. You know, if you are like me and haven't heard of him, um, the only movie of his that I've seen is called Son of a Gun, um, which is starring Ewan McGregor. And it's that movie was okay, you know. Yeah. It's, it's, I, did you see Son of a Gun? I did not. Yeah, it's, it's uh, essentially like a prison break movie with Ewan McGregor. Interesting. And it has its moments, but overall it's just kind of uh, lackluster.
0: Yeah, I don't even yeah. think I've heard of that. But it all makes huh? sense now why... Uh, this movie wasn't as fun for me as I thought it, yeah. it
1: would be. I, 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 thought it was, I, I wasn't expecting too much until, you know, Yeah. critics started getting into it and, and they really liked it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had fun. It's an absolutely not perfect movie, but, uh, I enjoyed it. <laughs>
0: yeah. Um, yeah, I can't really say too much about it. It's just, uh, it's just, it was yeah. just, it's, it had a lot of moments where it was pretty fun. Like it was over the top ridiculous though. Yeah.
1: Uh, what do you uh, think? What do you think of a uh, girl, the spider and the web and the the thing? The girl in the spider's web. The girl in the spider's web. Yeah. Uh,
0: I thought it was good. I thought it uh, it definitely uh, kind of gave it more like an origin story to like her whole, you know, past. Yeah. Which is cool. But I've never seen the other movies, so I don't know if they've done that before. But as far as the American uh, American version goes, it, yeah. You know, it, it, you understand why, like she saves women and stuff like that. So that, that was pretty.
1: That's was cool. Good. Getting a little backstory. Uh, yeah. Other than Overlord, the two movies I saw, there are older movies because uh, you probably know this. I'm going. I have this book that's a thousand and one movies you must mm-hmm. see before you die. I'm kind of just going through that. So I've been watching a lot of classic movies lately. Uh, I watched Harold and Maude. Um, okay. Which is directed by Hal Ashby. It's essentially about this guy who's this teenager who's obsessed with death. And Are he, we all? he goes to funerals for fun. Um, and he meets this older woman and just becomes infatuated with her. It sounds really weird. Hmm. They build like a, a romantic relationship, but it, it, it actually it flows really nicely and doesn't feel forced. Yeah. And, you know, to the point where it's not really creepy like you would think. I mean, us stupid Americans think everything is, is creepy. Yo. But, uh, yeah, I actually really enjoy it. It's pretty funny. And then I also watched African Queen, uh, directed by John uh houston danny houston's dad and actually john houston is in the documentary we watched i know which is a perfect segue
0: i also it was it
1: was weird to see i was like oh that was his dad yeah yeah whoa so yeah that's a that's a good segue into our first movie they'll love me when i'm dead orson wells was the ultimate independent filmmaker somewhere between zen master and god no other director has been
0: held up to such an impossible standard.
1: Citizen Kane, the greatest motion picture ever made. Do you agree? No, certainly not. That's My next one is, though... Could you give us the title of that? I haven't decided what it is yet. Oh. I was... When, when you first told me we were going to watch this movie, I thought we were going to watch the movie he made because they released that on Netflix in, in kind of a, a... parallel to this coming out on Netflix as well. Um... So I was a little disappointed we weren't watching that, but you know what? Maybe yeah, maybe I, another episode.
0: I didn't even see it, but now we can uh, get a little excited for the actual movie. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um maybe
0: maybe you'll even
1: recommend it at the end you, of this,
0: but probably not, who knows?
1: Yeah, this this uh this movie was directed by Morgan Neville, who mm-hmm. I don't know if you recognize that name, but we talked about a movie he made last week. Can you guess it's a documentary? Out of,
0: out of the like seventy five that we've done. <laughs> was it like RBG or No, it's Won't so You it Be was... My Neighbor. That was the next one I was going to get out of the two documentaries.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he directed Won't You Be My Neighbor. And it kind of, you can kind of get a sense of that um, while watching this because it it really, more so than other documentaries that are about filmmakers, really delves into kind of who he was. It shows the good and the bad. Yeah. And and I I really enjoyed that. Um, I'm sure you, you, I mean, the reason you picked it is because I I don't want to say I'm obsessed with Orson Welles, but you know. I really like.
0: Well, he does look like he could be your father.
1: <laughs> he does. Uh, I really, I really enjoy like the history of cinema and and um, you know how we got to have movies the way we have them now. And he actually is a huge part as to why movies are shot in more interesting ways now. With Citizen Kane, he he, he you know absolutely is. he he created like a whole bunch of different angles. He did things. Uh, there's actually a quote in They'll Love Me When I'm Dead mm-hmm. where uh, it's kind of in the intro. They He's being shot at a weird angle and uh, someone asked, people would ask him, why are you putting the camera over there? And he would respond, why not? And, yeah. <laughs> and that's really kind of just an testament of how much of a pioneer he was for the time. You know, back then, movies were just kind of shot like they were plays and he really just played with camera position and, and angle and all that and really did a lot for, uh, you know, modern filmmaking.
0: Yeah. I mean, he was, he was a, a legend early in his career too. Yeah. I've I start.
1: Absolutely. I feel like I, I I'm going to have a lot to say about this and you, yeah, you I mean, probably won't.
0: <laughs> my introduction to Orson Welles was you with Citizen Kane. Oh yeah. And that was, that was, 2014 my god yeah and that was when i first started on this film adventure so like i have to rewatch that
1: and yeah um do a
0: whole new thing
1: yeah i kind of wish i got a chance to rewatch it before this but i you know i i wrote a 20 page paper on and kane in, <laughs> in college so I'm, I'm it's not that i haven't watched it a lot but um hey we're here to talk about it you just you just slap those lips away yeah um it was it was just kind of interesting seeing how someone who was, who is so revered today like they it kind of starts out with them explaining how he was blacklisted from Hollywood essentially yeah. for uh what would be widely considered um you know flops but like the flops weren't due to his negligence at all um what was the movie they made oh, oh man, they were talking about touch of it. evil touch of yeah, evil that was, was it was the movie that they were saying. And I actually did a little research into Touch of Evil. Uh, I personally haven't seen Touch of Evil, so I can't really say anything other than uh, the Rotten Tomato scores I'm going to give you. But they made a 1958 um, version. or well, the 1958 version is the original one. Yeah. And um, it was 93 minutes. Then 20 years later, about in 1978, they released another version. The 1978 version still wasn't his... Vision, Yeah. And, but it was more of his vision than the original one. And that was more widely accepted by critics. And then in 1998, after he was dead, they took notes and memos that he had written, uh, to the studio and edited it to the way they think they, he wanted it through those notes and, and, uh, and memos. And that is considered the, the most closely, um, you know Wellesian to make up a word <laughs> version and it's close most closely to his vision and is also considered the best vision so they could they actually fired him mid touch of evil uh filming and it ended up being worse for wear because yeah for they something that him. could have
0: ended up amazing if they yeah. just let him do it
1: and, and that that was kind of like the thing I respect so much about Orson Wells many people widely consider him like the first independent director cuz he yeah. just he really didn't give a shit what studios thought. I mean, obviously yeah. he wanted money and everything, but he he knew that he knew what he was doing and uh, you know, would try to persuade studios to let him do what he was doing. And that's kind of what this entire documentary is about, is how he uh, you know, kind of just went with it and and started doing his own thing again with um what's the, the main uh, other yeah. side of the wind uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> i have so many notes here with so i almost want to keep saying, gone with the wind but i'm like that is definitely not him. yeah don't gone say with the it wind yeah gone with the wind is much different gone um, with the other side of the wind <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean that it was really just because inter- as much as i respected orson wells there's kind of like this you know this reverence and and for lack of a better word fear you have of a man just because of how much of a legend he is yeah um and i was surprised to see just how loved he was by his friends Mm -hmm. and and
0: just like they just follow him for years yeah
1: they follow him for years you you see the good side of him and the bad side of him you see the controlling side of him and the loving side of him um because really like he uh this director morgan neville he did the same thing with um um won't You Be My Neighbor, to a lesser extent, just because Mr. Rogers was such a, like, good, wholehearted person. Saint. Yeah, really. Uh, but, like, he really showed both sides of Orson uh, Welles and, and showed the good side, the the controlling side, because he wanted to make what he wanted to make. Yeah. But then also, um, like, towards the end of the movie, uh, they show a shot that was f- filmed. I forget which director shot it. But it was a a little cameo that Orson Welles had shot for a movie after he had, or right before he had died, and they just have a clip of him laughing. And, uh,
0: yeah, it was like an interview for something.
1: Yeah, and and John Huston, who played essentially the Orson Welles character, even though he would very much deny that it's supposed yeah. to be about him, uh, John Huston, the the director, also played the Orson Welles-like character in uh, the Other Side of the Wind. And he saw that and he was just amazed that Orson Welles would let someone film him laughing. Um, cause it kind of shows you that he, he wanted to control him to tears too. Yeah. Yeah. It wanted to show, it it showed how he wanted to control how people viewed him, but also that like everyone knew him on a deeper level and loved him on a deeper, deeper level. And I, I really, uh, I, I enjoyed that.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I really enjoyed this one too. It was, uh, you pretty much touched on almost all the bases so i don't really have to do yeah, much yeah I, I wrote i wrote <laughs>
1: i wrote two and a half pages of notes on this one yeah i
0: mean i wrote ever wrote a page we we pretty much have the same thing yeah um i talked about already how i didn't watch many of his movies so i can't really relate to too many of these things mm-hmm. but uh citizen kane i have to rewatch regardless just because i'm i've so far in my movie career i guess you could say now that I should definitely check up on it. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about... They'll Love Me When I'm Dead.
1: Well, I mean, you kind of have to talk about... Because They'll Love Me When I'm Dead is... While it is a story of the making of his last movie, it really just kind of touches on how, like, Citizen Kane really created an unrealistic expectation for Orson Welles by the studios. Because it's such, like... It's not a perfect movie by any means, but it's such a great movie. It's kind of to a lesser extent, it's kind of like M. Night Shyamalan with the Sixth Sense. Like you, yeah. you hit it <laughs> out of the park the first time. And don't get me wrong, I'm not comparing M. Night Shyamalan to Orson Welles because even Orson Welles' worst movie is still pretty dang good. Yeah. Um, but they but both it's have an understandable this understandable one. Yeah, they both have these unrealistic expectations that were created of them because of their first big movie. Yeah. And it, it's really kind of unfair in, in a sense. Um, and and a, another thing I thought was p- pretty cool is uh, they talked about John Huston a lot The because um, they were really good friends. Both directors yeah. were really good friends. But John Huston overall had a more successful career. And that was because uh, you probably heard this rule um, when it comes to f- filmmaking. Uh, the make one for them, make one for you rule. Yeah,
0: that's they even say that in the documentary. Yeah, so. yeah.
1: So John Huston would go ahead and make movies like The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, which is for the time very dark. That's another movie I watched recently because it's in yeah. that that book. Um, and it's, it's really dark and shows like the dark side of man, but then he would also go turn around and make a movie like Annie, which I didn't know he directed Annie. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't either. Yeah. That was was Um, a
0: fun little thing to see.
1: Yeah. So like, And and
0: then he's willing to be in stuff with Orson Welles, like, uh, this one.
1: Absolutely. And, and, uh, the, the interesting, like Orson Welles was such for better or worse, whether it makes him look like a better person or a worse person, he refused to kind of bend, his morals to that to make what he thought as kind of like dumb cinema um yeah he had
0: a vision and he wanted it to be done the way he saw it
1: exactly and as, as pretentious as that might be you know you gotta you gotta respect a man for even uh at the risk of his own career refusing to bend to the studio's will
0: yeah can we talk about alan cumming
1: Oh yeah, Alan Cumming. <laughs> Alan Cumming was the narrator of this, and they they show him a few times because it's kind of like he's, um, yeah, he's kind of yeah, reviewing was... everything. But
0: I'm I'm, si- I'm sitting there watching it. I'm relaxed. I'm ready to see some Orson Wells. Next thing you know, I see some Alan coming and I'm like, <clears throat> what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah is, i actually i thought
1: he i thought he did a great job no he's, he really he really did it was just
0: like that's the last person you would expect oh absolutely i You're mean just like oh hey alan coming how you doing Yeah,
1: he's got a great voice for it I, he I does thought, i mean i know he didn't write it but he had a uh he yeah he, he was narrating he, he was narrating one. but he, he he did really good he kind of fit the same tone that citizen kane is in yeah um where and
0: then they had him messing with some like film stuff too and like yeah the I, I think i think it's
1: called a movie movieator or I, yeah orson wells says it's called names it in one of the scenes i i, I can't remember <laughs> um let's see yeah it, it was just kind of filled with a lot of interesting thoughts and and kind of visions into orson well's head um I forget who stated this. I'm really bad at taking notes. I gotta get better at taking notes. Yeah, but someone I, I see in my it,
0: problem is I wrote like too much, so I'm like yeah. looking at all of it.
1: Someone said at some point that Orson Welles stated, "No story has a happy happy ending." Oh unless, man, I was gonna say that yeah, one. <laughs> no story has a happy ending unless you stop telling it before it's over,
0: which I, I think fits this whole thing perfectly. And even like I don't even want to say like it's a good thing that like he died and didn't get to finish uh mm-hmm. the other side of the wind because like to me that's that's it's just super fitting quote just yeah. like hey i've been working on this for so long and this could possibly be the greatest thing but hey no story has a happy ending unless you stop telling it before it's over the happy happy stories don't have or whatever. whatever yeah, happy stories
1: don't have uh no story has a happy ending <laughs> there unless it is. you stop telling before it's over. And it's really I mean, while I don't agree with it overall, I can no. I I definitely see what he's talking about cuz nothing yeah. is truly wrapped up in a night, uh, nice little bow.
0: I think I think for this situation it worked out perfectly cuz even at the end of the documentary they they say another quote uh and you you just left like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. wow it goes full circle Look yeah at that.
1: <laughs> yeah and, and uh it's it's really uh kind of touching on that um he they talked about how he didn't finish a lot of his projects yeah there was a lot of projects he yeah he finish. he he had like they they mentioned like four or five movies that went unfinished and they speculated as to why whether and like you know he didn't have the focus to do it I can't remember all the the details
0: yeah there was one where he just had to loop the actors or something like that yeah the, and and he just never went back to it
1: th- there are some people that say that like oh he probably just doesn't love filmmaking um <laughs> there's like, a whole bunch of different speculations none of yeah. them of which the people saying them are believing or probably believe but they're they're just kind of stating what rumors were yeah. and to me it just really seemed like he was a perfectionist because I've done that I mean you know, uh, with the movies yeah. we made, with especially The Mormons Are Coming. It took me forever.
0: I can recall. And, and it's only a 15-minute... And I, minute... I remember a certain friends who were just like, Mike, how's yeah. it going over yeah. there? And and <laughs> really, like... I'll get, I'll as, get there.
1: <laughs> and while, again, I'm not on Orson Welles' level yeah. in the least but I can completely understand the not wanting to re- release something until it's 100% perfect. Until you and, want it
0: to be your vision.
1: Yeah, and at some point, like, I, I completely connect with that but at some point you just gotta you gotta let it go
0: you gotta get there exactly yeah but he had too much pride damn too much overall i really enjoyed it i thought it was great same here uh, it was edited in such a chaotic style that fits so well for the whole the whole uh scenario that was going on during the project for the last or well, the last but for the years that went on for it one thing so I, I noticed I thought it was well
1: well, it's just kind of going back one thing i noticed is they interviewed his daughter but never shot her in a way that you saw her completely yeah and i wonder if that was like a stylistic choice like you know there's a lot where, of he, he never uh, saw her holy views that might be me overthinking it but like is it he never saw her completely or is it more just probably just protect her privacy she didn't want to be shown completely
0: hey there's no overthinking here we're here to think we're, we're here? here to think and talk
1: we're here to think and talk
0: but hey that that if if so that'd be pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like me seeing it, I feel like it was probably just, hey, we got this cool shot. Or maybe she just didn't ask for her face. Yeah, maybe. who knows?
1: That's very possible. Let's
0: let's speculate like a lot of people do about Orson Welles. Let's get this. He was fat. <laughs> <laughs> no. He did get plump at the end. He though. did.
1: They they everyone always talks about how how big he was. And then they show pictures of him when he's like my size. And I'm like, that's not that big. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Cause, Cause he just looks like my, si- but then like they showed a shot of him. I'm like, okay, he's, he's a big man.
0: I like, but uh, man. I like the uh, videos and photos that they had of him back when he was 25 and he just looked like a baby. And then uh, I look at myself and I'm like, do I look like a baby? No, <laughs> I still no, look he, like a baby. He
1: just kid? had a really round voice. Or yeah, voice, he had face. Voice. <laughs> <laughs> He had a great face. voice. Though, he but... did have a great voice. Yeah, um, the whole way through. But yeah, I I, I just think it's it's a really uh, humble and intricate look at at a legend's life. Essentially, kind of really humanizes him, yeah. which I love it when when movies can take legends and and humanize them, um, mm-hmm. and and make the person look more approachable
0: yeah and that that was just like one setting of his life uh just for that basically one week they did like narrow most of his stuff down yeah like throughout his life but like Mm -hmm. imagine a whole documentary about the dude by by that guy again uh morgan neville morgan yeah uh,
1: yeah I would NBA. love to see a documentary about the making of Citizen Kane because honestly, yeah, that shit was crazy. That's what my paper was—my twenty-page paper were, was on—was about uh, the making of Citizen Kane in college. It, um, well, Mike, I think you just, got a project ahead of you. I guess I do got a project ahead of me, even <laughs> though I'm pretty sure they've made—I'm pretty sure I got most of my information from a documentary about the making of yeah. Citizen Kane. So it's already been done. Let us raise our cups. To our crazy and beloved profession, to the movies. A lot of people want to see The Other Side of the Wind get made. It is the greatest movie never released, the bookend to Citizen Kane. What did Orson really mean by it? What is its true form? Orson said, they'll love me when I'm dead. Glenn <sighs> What is our next well, movie?
0: Well, Michael German. Our next movie... Just happens to be Outlaw King. There can be no peace. The people are desperate for justice. There are some of us who believe we can take our country back. If we can unify and rise up behind one leader. Perhaps you directed by david Mackenzie, uh outlaw king is about uh th- you know that guy that one guy robert the bruce it robert the Bruce, just which... after the rebellion of william wallace yeah
1: that's actually one thing i did not know i did not watch a single trailer for this all i saw was a poster of him holding a sh- uh, shield that's all i knew going yeah, in
0: all i saw was his face and i was like that's enough and
1: honestly i want to go into movies more like that just not knowing anything except for the name and the poster yeah um but yeah, the, I, I was actually surprised to find out that this was based on a true story um, and kind of follows almost immediately the events of Braveheart.
0: Yeah, it's pretty much it's it's touch and go like it, it's just uh, puts it down and it's like, oh, we're right. There it is. We're yeah. back into William Wallace territory. Here we go. And you don't even realize until I think, what is it, 15 minutes in? yeah and then they drop that and it's like whoa yeah
1: and okay. speaking of 15 minutes in the very yeah, first well there. not the very first shot like the second shot i think after they do the credit with the candle and everything
0: yeah there's the candle and then it's a it very into...
1: long tracking shot
0: yep it's over it's almost exactly nine minutes
1: and it is incredible because like one thing i wrote down it really makes you feel like you're at the renaissance fair mm-hmm. um just i mean in in a more badass way <laughs> you don't yeah. see just fat people with neck beards <laughs> but it's and it's, giant it's, turkey legs yeah, and stuff it's, like that it's really just a, a, a fantastic way to immerse yourself in the the world of yeah. of Scotland in the 1300s i think it was 1305 or 6 or something
0: yeah cuz right right off the bat you've got a, a king forgiving a couple noblemen Mm-hmm. And then it goes into like a little play sword fight. Next thing you know, here's some here's some other things going down. And yeah, it's it was a really epic, almost yeah. nine minute long shot. It was really nice.
1: So this is uh, I think you know this. This is directed by David McKenzie, who uh, directed yeah. Hell or High Water. Mm-hmm. And I it's just I love it when directors can have such different feeling the, the, movies. Yeah. Like the the themes are kind of the same. Um, more or less, but like you know, you go from uh Texas in the eighties or nineties and go <laughs> go all the and way to you Scotland in the thirteen hundreds. Yeah, exactly. Um but I overall I, I just really thought you know, just learning about the Scottish Rebellion was just so fascinating to me. I think that was probably yeah, my favorite no, it, part it, of
0: it. It was. Um I know, and this this obviously this is gonna be it's like Big comparison, Braveheart, I feel like I learned, obviously, more from this than I did Braveheart. Also, because oh, yeah. Braveheart isn't, you know, exactly I actually, fact-friendly.
1: Yeah, after I uh, watched this movie, I read a um, an article by Popular Mechanics, and yeah. it, it broke down like the historical accuracy between... Um, I,
0: I think what's really funny is we read the, the same article.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it breaks down. It, it compares uh, Outlaw King and Bra- uh, Braveheart. Yeah. Uh, and breaks them down into accuracy for the the overall story, weapons, clothes and armor, and mm-hmm. the big battles. And Outlaw King won every single category. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and... and they they admitted that it wasn't one hundred percent accurate, but yeah. overall it's a more accurate story, um, and film than Braveheart. Yeah.
0: And Braveheart. Had a much larger scope and it yeah. just blew it out of the water.
1: And honestly, like I, I like Braveheart, but I think it gets way too much credit. Like,
0: I haven't like, seen Braveheart since probably mid two thousand. It's a, it's another it one does. of
1: those movies where like it's it's like Titanic, where in scope, yes, it's fantastic and and you know immersive. But honestly, I felt like it was a soap opera when I watched it. Like it's, it, it's, it's so, all about
0: that end end scene. Yeah, it's all about That's the really it's it all is. built
1: up to that. It's, it's, it's all fairly melodramatic and everything. It's just... But, I, again, I do like Braveheart, but I feel yeah. like it gets way too much credit. Um, no, there's no... Granted, it, it's, it's a good yeah. movie. It was but the 90s, you know... What it is. People's opinions of movies were different then, although not really, because <laughs> they, they still like cheesy epicness. Yeah. Um, but I thought this was fantastic. I, yeah. On, honestly... I didn't think it was fantastic until maybe the last half hour 45 minutes yeah
0: so I watched I was watching this movie last night with Kira and we got about 45 minutes in before I was like, oh man I'm getting really tired and a it's mainly because I work UPS I work really early in the morning yeah B also because it does it does take a little bit to pick up but then once it picks up, Baby, it picks up. It's it, it gets there.
1: <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I, you know, there's a lot of really good performances in it. Like Chris Pine, honestly, like I for I forgot he was American for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I'm not Scottish, so I'm not someone who can say that it was a good Scottish yeah. accent. But it, I,
0: it's he he seemed like he pulled it off.
1: He did, and and uh,
0: he probably played it safe because he was very soft spoken most of mm-hmm. the time. But that uh, that, that could be me. I don't know. And
1: I think my favorite part about it is uh. It's just kind of fits into that. It's a, it's a subgenre of movie that, because it's kind of true, is talked about a lot. And mm-hmm. it's just England in medieval times were just a bunch of dicks.
0: Yeah, dude. they they, <laughs> they, they were, were the worst.
1: Terrible people. <laughs> yeah, like right. they there were some things where, uh, you know, I was like, oh, that's probably just exaggerated. You know, no, I mean? like like was <laughs> a they... lot of
0: stuff in there. I was like, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I mean,
1: I I knew they were terrible, but like, um, one thing I thought that was probably exaggerated was uh, them arresting his wife and then like putting her in the cage. Yeah, they, uh, uh, uh... off the side of the casual. Nope, they did that the The they word
0: there was relentless. They were yeah. relentless back then. Yeah, just and, <laughs> ridiculous.
1: But uh, I thought uh, his wife, the per, the woman who played his wife, did really good. Uh, Florence, mm-hmm. I think her name's Pew. Florence Pew. Uh, yeah, Pew.
0: Um,
1: I actually had to look up how to pronounce it because it's P U G H. Luckily, I had
0: um, a uh, I had a schoolmate whose last name was Pew. He's oh, actually, into acting right now, so that's cool. And well, there you go. Anyway, segueing back into the film. Uh, yeah, I think the, uh, I think everybody was great, but there's one performance that I was like, this freaking dude,
1: I this freaking
0: dude. Yeah. We both know, you know, it's ATG or a- A-T-J. A-T-J. ATJ,
1: Aaron Taylor Johnson,
0: <laughs> dude, man,
1: he's nuts. He is literally Honestly, in there, this movie. He's nuts. there were there like, there were some parts I, I, overall I thought he was really good. Yeah. He's kind of like a, a more toned down Nick Cage. <laughs> where he's super he's super intense. Yeah. But with unlike Nick Cage, to for him it's realistic. I love Nick Cage. I'm not I'm not shitting no, on, no Cage on Nick Cage or nothing. Um but you know, he has that same intensity. hmm But the
0: <laughs> It works here. It yeah. works here there, so there's well. this
1: scene. You remember the scene where they on Palm Sunday in the church, yep. they all go into church and they just murder everyone in the church. So, um, so and rightfully certain... so, they, they they murder the English the English knights who have been uh, pillaging their their uh, homes. Yeah. So uh, the the
0: king took away his name, and he's just screaming his last name. While yeah. Murdering and people. it's
1: it's, it's kind of funny, but it works. Yeah, dude, like, it, it, I, it really does. And yeah, then, I loved it.
0: And then him during you know just the whole movie, dude. He he was great. Yeah,
1: he, he's really good. Um.
0: Now there there was another one that I, I did enjoy because he felt kind of realistic maybe a little too villainy but at the same time there was one scene where he gave like a pretty good performance uh, the uh, Prince Edward Prince of the Wales, I thought he gave a pretty good performance. oh yeah Billy Billy how
1: yeah yeah overall um, overall he was pretty good um I, I
0: mainly it mainly turned into like okay he's pretty good when uh towards the end of the movie when he and uh, Robert are fighting that's like after that I was like oh Okay. Yeah. That's, that's pretty realistic. I can get behind that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> the thing, the funny thing about when they fight is it's it's right after uh the the English army retreats, you know. Mm-hmm. I actually I'm I'm going to kind of delve into actual history um right now, but the uh actual battle of Ludon or Ludun or however you pronounce it, which was the actual battle um in it, it's the climax of the movie. It's a battle that actually happened. Yeah. Scotland had six hundred soldiers in that. Mm-hmm. England had three thousand. Yeah, they did. And the casualties, because they didn't really keep absolute track of that back then, for casualties for Scotland, it just says low, low casualties. <laughs> and that's because uh, in
0: comparison, it's yeah. crazy.
1: But yeah, so when England starts retreating, there they, uh, Chris Pine, um, uh, Robert the the Bruce, and Prince Edward, they start fighting hmm and no one's paying attention to them fighting yeah until, everybody's like,
0: everybody's watching them retreat they're like,
1: Aah! yeah i mean i probably would too so but it's just the way yeah. it was shot it was kind of funny uh going yeah, back then you into, got like two
0: or three people who actually yeah. turn on they're like oh
1: going back there. into more history when when england um when Valence uh mm-hmm. ambushes them at night on, on their camp uh it's like the first battle of the movie uh in in history they uh, the scottish army had 4500 people uh, at that battle 4000 of them died jesus during yeah. the ambush D- during the ambush yeah and, and like that's probably while they showed that they got their asses kicked they did not show that they got 4000 people no. killed <laughs> um so like the, this is really like in in the synopsis. Wait, the English army had four thousand down. No, the Scottish people oh, had four thousand okay. five hundred people, to say. and four thousand people died. And that just goes to show you like how. That's much, a comeback right there. That is, that uh, like the the synopsis says is a true David and Goliath story because it really is. Yeah, you really you is. lose you lose eight ninths of your army. I don't know mm-hmm. how to make that lower. Eight ninths of your army. And you still beat them <laughs> Yeah It's ridiculous
0: It would have been crazy if like If they never ambushed them in the first place they would... Oh yeah That's It probably would have been a much quicker battle Yeah They would have been wrecked We have 50 men to fight the strongest army in the world We're dealing with outlaws, man The king will hang him for treason If I die tomorrow no, I speak If it I then. die tomorrow do whatever you must do you understand I just I read a review before we started this because mm-hmm. I was just I was just touching up for Outlaw King and uh I was actually on Letterboxd and uh I was scrolling down past some just past some reviews trying to pass the time waiting for you and my favorite review so far for Outlaw King is <clears throat> I heard this movie's got uh Chris Pine nude so I wanted to see some Chris Pine dick 10 out of 10 would come back to see anytime
1: you don't even see it that long <laughs> yeah it's, it's like <laughs> and he it's comes out of cold seconds, water but it's, it's it's hilarious he comes out of cold water after it too <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah you, the, honestly after watching this movie like the, the the scottish rebellion—it's like my new historical fascination yeah i was yeah, up, l- listen, I was up gotta, reading about it for a while
0: you gotta love a movie that actually makes you want to like read up about the history yeah yeah Cause i i don't do that often and like right after this movie i was like okay Time to I, brush I, up I do, on my uh, Robert the Bruce.
1: <laughs> I do it quite a bit, but yeah. that's just because I, I love history. But th- yeah. this one, like, it, it got me more interested than the story of Braveheart did.
0: Exactly. Yeah, I think that's what, that's exactly what made this so great. Is like, yeah. You were like, wow, this was actually really well done. I think I want to learn about it some more. Yeah. Because everybody was either likable or you're like, wow, England's a bunch of dicks. Mm-hmm. Or
1: just like the whole in between. It was great. Mm-hmm. And, and not only... Did Scotland, I I was reading more about it, not only did Scotland win the war for this and get their freedom back, Mm -hmm. but uh, there's a movie coming out later called Mary Queen of Scots and it's kind of about this, um, at least the mother of this king. Yeah, There came a point where England uh, had no more heirs. So the next person in line for the throne was a descendant of Robert the (laughs) Priest. So not only did they get their freedom, but eventually the King of Scots took over as the King of England as well. And that is why they are now like part of the United Kingdom. It's not because Scotland lost. It's because the the King of Scots outlived anyone that was an heir He
0: did live a good amount of time, too. Yeah, it was
1: impressive. And I'm not. It wasn't Robert the Bruce. It was uh, 300 years later, one of his descendants. Oh yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, that guy. It was Robert the Sixth, I think. Yeah,
1: the but it, it, that or, just, wait.
0: No, John, John the John, Sixth.
1: John the Sixth. Yeah, that just like blew my mind. He was the son of uh, Mary Queen of Scots. Another movie yeah. I'm actually pretty excited for, uh, Mary Queen of Scots, um, with uh, Saoirse Ronan and uh, Margot Robbie or Robbie, mm-hmm. however the hell you pronounce him. Um, I don't know. But yeah, I, I think uh, Scottish history is my new fascination.
0: I think the only other thing that I really had to say was I, I really enjoyed the battle scenes. There was a lot of oh, yeah. blood and carnage. Yeah. Uh, they really showed you the style of executions that they did back then and torture. Absolutely. Um, so that was really cool. Like there's there's like actual like uh, visuals in this movie that you're like, wow, that looked real as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I I think they really did well on that too. Mm-hmm. Um overall i'd watch this over braveheart any day yeah i would too and just i mean hell i just watched this movie just to see chris pine in a mullet <laughs> i am king of scots not of the land but of the people we should fight for god for country
1: for family i do not care So long as you fight! So, I think we've come to the part of the podcast where we make our decision. Mm -hmm. We will decide, every movie we talk about, if it deserves to go on our KFR shelf. Which, you know, let's just pretend it's a real shelf that has actual DVDs on it or yeah. film reels. Whatever you want. So, with They'll Love Me When I'm Dead, do you believe it goes on the shelf? Remember, we want to keep this as, you know, strict as possible. Because we don't want to just throw everything on there. You and I enjoy a lot of movies. We don't want to just have like a thousand movies up by the time we review 400. <laughs> <Yeah. of them. laughs>
0: I do I did really enjoy this movie. But honestly, I don't know if I'd put it on the shelf, mainly because if I'm going to compare it to, let's say, like, let's say, uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? That mm-hmm. would be one I'd want to rewatch again. I'd take it off the shelf, i dust it off, and i put that in. I think because I, myself, am not a huge Orson Welles fan, mm-hmm. I don't think I'll put it on the shelf. But overall, it was a good movie. But unfortunately, it's not going on the shelf for me.
1: All right. Well, I mean... I I think I told you this for, for a movie to go on the KFR shelf, it has to be a unanimous decision. So, uh, it looks like it's not going on the shelf, but, (laughs) but, uh, I also, I would agree. I, I I would say, um, you know, it's, it's a really good documentary. It shows Mm -hmm. a side of Orson Welles. You don't ever really hear about or see, um, but overall, it's just it's just kind of like a typical documentary, um, and you know I, mean, I love Orson Welles, so like I, I wanted this to oh, be on the shelf. We heard yeah. all about it. Yeah, we I wanted this to be on the shelf, but you know it just it doesn't hit that chord that yeah. really makes it a superb documentary. Um, it's really good, and I think people should watch it. But I would have to agree, it is not going to be going on the KFR shelf. Look at that. Yeah,
0: our first not fight. If we
1: still <laughs> I mean I, I just disagreements don't mean we're yeah, fighting no, no. It, it was funny alright so moving on to Outlaw King Outlaw King what can I say so I'm gonna I'll, I'll start with this one yeah um, please do you know just how it created a fascination for that history with me it really got me interested uh, and while admittedly I was not really into it until about 45 minutes to an yeah. hour in it's, it's really just it it really just grabs you in that last half, it and does. it it doesn't let go, and it's filled with great performances, uh, great cinematography. Um, the music is weird at times, and I'm not talking <laughs> about like the normal music. There's this part where, uh, you know the uh Robert the Bruce's father is dying, and he says something, and there's just like this really heroic trumpet that plays, mm-hmm. but it plays for like ten seconds, and it's not in the scene at all um so it's really weird uh this one i kept going back and forth of whether or not it deserves to go on the shelf uh but i think just for the fascination it created in me alone i would say yeah it probably deserves to go on the shelf wow i'm gonna have to
0: disappoint you mike oh yeah it's like, no, I'm not. It was such a good movie. I'm putting that shit <laughs> I, on the I shelf knew, so hard. <laughs> I
1: knew you were going to do that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's it's by no means a perfect movie. No. But it, it's there's it, enough it to talk its, about.
0: It held its own, and it made yeah. you want to research more after the movie was done. Absolutely. And I think that on its own deserves it
1: yeah and kind of going back to the whole makes you want to research thing if i didn't already know as much about orson wells as i did before watching they'll love me when i'm dead it probably mm-hmm. would not make me want to look up more yeah. um uh it is it is a good movie but uh you know not really worth the shelf it's it's on netflix so i do suggest people see it but outlaw king it's just really, I didn't know I was this interested in Scottish history mm-hmm. <laughs> and it, it really just grabbed me. And, yeah. Yeah. So now we have come to the time. The time. Outlaw King is on the shelf. We have two more movies our, for our next first week. first
0: movie on the shelf. First My movie goodness. on the shelf.
1: I mean, that might not happen every week, No, but uh, it, it did this week and uh, we got two movies or I got two movies. Oh, you got this, two, huh? I got two. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, the first one is called Bomb City.
0: Okay, here
1: we go. Bomb City is a crime drama about a cultural version of a group of punk rockers in a conservative Texas town. Uh, I read up on this, and it's essentially there's this uh, this it's punk like rock scene in in <laughs> Texas. I think the actual, I think it was actually in Oklahoma, but it, in the movie, it's in Texas, and they kind of clash with like for lack of a better word, the popular kids. Yeah. Um, but it's based on a true story. It looks really interesting to me. Uh, it, it came out of, I want to say it was in Sundance, either this year or last year, and I've been interested in it um, okay. for a while. So I, I'm going to see that. That's on Amazon Prime. If anyone wants to watch that before our next episode, kind of follow what we're talking about. Uh, but that's the first movie for next week. Now, the second one I kept going back and forth about I was originally going to say Widows, but then one of my friends, Oof. yeah, that, that might come up later, one of my friends reminded me that the Coen Brothers' new movie, yeah. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs, <laughs> came out today. I, I knew you were going to do it. And you know me and the fucking Coen Brothers. Yeah. They are my favorite directors, so the second movie for next week is The Ballad of Buster Scruggs.
0: I, I had a feeling... An absolute feel like there was two movies that I knew you were probably going to pick, and that was definitely one of them. Was
1: the other one, The Other Side of the Wind? Yeah, I, I didn't want to go Orson Welles too hard. Yeah, the, the first few weeks, so we might do that later down the road. I definitely thought about it, but the second that Alan told me that the mm-hmm. Ballad of Buster Scruggs came out,
0: yeah, actually, I just saw it. I think it was the other day yeah. that that they were announcing that. I was like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. So, fine. for those of
1: you who don't know what it is, first of all, it's the Coen Brothers. That's all you fucking need to know. So go <laughs> goddamn watch it. Uh, it is an uh, anthology that's comprised of six stories. So essentially, like six vignettes uh, uh, that take place in the same universe, um, and, and it's it's a western. But you know, with the Coen Brothers, they have such a unique sense mm-hmm. of comedy. That you know it's just going to be a good time. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that it's going to be a good time because I admit they've they've had some lackluster films in the past, but overall, do you have anything to plug, Glenjamin, such as uh, uh, a Letterboxd account? I know yeah. I have a Letterboxd account. Uh, we both have Letterboxd accounts, by the way. Yeah, um, you can follow me on Letterboxd at Mike Kfr.
0: And because I'm such a huge copycat, I decided to go with Glenn Kfr. Real oh, mature. did you? I thought it Real just say Glenn. No, it's Glenn Kaffa Oh,
1: cool! So Might yeah, well. you, for for those of you who don't know Letterbox, it's it's a, essentially just social media for movie lovers. It's pretty great. Uh, if you like hearing about movies and rating movies, I suggest you take it take a look at it. But you can also follow us on Facebook, Keystone Film Review on Facebook, mm-hmm. and also on Instagram at Keystone underscore Film underscore Review because Keystone Film Review was already taken, and fuck those people! How dare they! Yeah, I apologize. I keep cursing in the end, but yeah, it
0: was at the very. We were doing very well. We were, we were. <laughs> but the
1: the ballad of Buster Scruggs brought it out of me. It did. All right, so that's all for this week.
0: It's, it's been fun, everybody. It
1: has been fun. You have a lovely week, and Glenn well. I will see you later. Hey, I'm gonna go buy a mullet now and <laughs> a shield. Right. I am gonna just uh, find science to make myself Scottish. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Couldn't just accept that you could get an accent, but science I, I c- will do I it. Can't, I can't do an accent. <laughs> I need to find
1: science. All right. See you, everybody.